Hello. Hello. Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Sarah Black. And I'm Jeffrey Lilly. And today we are dipping our toes back into Salem history <laughs> after a long, long October. And I know a lot of people loved our Chestnut Street episode. Mm-hmm. So we are going to talk about another small condensed location here in Salem, a very specific place that everyone knows, the Salem Common. Our beloved Salem Common. I love the common. It's nice. It's, uh, I feel like everyone has a common, right? Like most. It's a very New England thing. Okay. I think okay. like I, I was, had, I had not heard the term until I came out here. Okay. I was sort of thinking that there's probably like, it, it feels New Englandy, mm-hmm. but like most towns probably have like a center green space. Yeah, definitely. Like a, especially if you have a downtown yeah, area yeah. for sure. For sure. The common holds a special place in my heart. When my dad moved here back in 2010, mm-hmm. his first apartment was right on Winter Street. Okay. It's on the northern side yep. of the common heading towards Beverly. And he was like three doors down from the common. So it was like very, you stepped out of the and apartment there, there it was. and it's right there. And, you know, we were teenagers at the time. And so it was very much like, you know, what do you do as a kid? You go play in the park. So we would fly kites and have picnics and... Yeah, all sorts of things. It was great. Very nice. What does the common mean to you, Jeffrey? I don't know. What do you think of when you think of the common? Community. Ah, very much so. <laughs> and also, like, it's a nice place to to walk, relax, take some time. It's a it's a historic place, which obviously we're going to talk about. Um, I was like, like the in Groton, where I'm from, the the commons, like, I don't know. It's tiny, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. the size of Derby Square. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ba- baby common. Yeah, yeah. Baby common. Um, and it's not used for anything. It's just the the common. There's like Groton Fest and things like that, that that happen in other places in the town. The common's like not used as anything other than just like a, oh, it's the common. It's just you needed one in the town. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe it was, well, hey, it might have been used back in the day. I mean, I'm Grot- sure it probably has like a, a significant was, history. Yeah. Yeah, pretty old. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. I've never looked into that. But, you know, the common in Salem is like wildly different because it is a very heavily used space. Yes, very much a center of the city. Yeah, it's not like, I don't know, somewhere that's just like in name only. It's name and purpose. So it brings together. uh, There's always stuff going on there, uh, whether that's just like people walking their dogs or flying kites or there's like... Uh, pick up uh, uh, soccer games I see pretty regularly out there. Uh-huh. I was talking to uh, uh, someone the other day uh, about yoga and they were saying how, uh, so that was used as a place uh, during COVID because it was an outside space. Yes. And so there was like, at one point she was saying how there was like like three or four different like yoga schools. Everyone was like socially distanced you know, in like their respective areas. I'm yeah, but it was sh- large enough to accommodate everybody. Yeah, I'm pretty sure during COVID, that's where the high school graduation was. I was going down there during COVID as well because, I mean, it was the closest park. It was yeah, the largest yeah. and, you know, what else was there to do? Right, I mean, I walked around Forest River because that's closest to me. But right. I, yeah, I think like I think the, the high school graduation was like on the common. Um, cause I, I ever, the, all their seats were socially distanced and everything else. If I, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. we always hear that phrase, if walls could talk, <laughs> gosh, if that ground could talk, yeah, yeah. oh my, seen a, 
goodness. It's seen a thing or two. Definitely. But before we dive into that uh, wild history, we've got a couple shout outs to make. Quick Patreon members to say thank you to. Thank you, guys. Uh, Let's start off here with uh, Melissa Wenzel. Ooh, thank you, Melissa. Appreciate you. And a big thank you to Michelle Taylor. Thank you, Michelle. Coming off the heels of that, Scott Ferrara. Ferrara? I think it's Ferrara. Ferrara, like Thanks. the chocolate. I didn't know that was a chocolate. Ferrara Rocher, the little gold uh. with the hazelnutty. Ah. No, maybe that's Ferrara. I'm not sure, but I'm sure some of our <laughs> listeners know, and they're probably yelling at you right now. <laughs> that's fair. Thank you, Scott. And uh, last for this week, we have Terry. Oh, that's my turn. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Thank you to Terry Van Dyke. Thank you, Terry. Thank you again to all our Patreon subscribers for helping support the show. Thank you all. Uh, So do you have any tour time stories for us? Ah, Obviously, things are slowing down. It Mm -hmm. is November now. One thing that does stick out, I had a teacher on tour the other day. She is a, she does history and English. She can teach either one and she teaches the Salem witch trials. So if she's in, I think it's middle school. So if she's teaching, no, it's gotta be high school. If she's teaching English, teaches the crucible. And if she's teaching history, she teaches the witch trials. So she gets to tackle. Oh, that's like double. Yeah. Yeah. She gets to tackle the subject no matter which English or history class she's in. So she does that. I don't, I'm sure you've heard of this game before where they write a note or they give you a note card and on each note card, like it tells you like who you are in the town. And at the beginning of the game, the teacher tells you that someone amongst you is, or or there might be witches amongst you. How many, I'm not sure if it's one or multiple, but you have to try to form a group with no witches in it. And like, kids start forming factions and turning against each other and at the end of it no one has the witch card and they're like oh you missed you messed the game up and she's like no i didn't like obviously this is what mob mentality can do to you so it was just i've heard of this being conducted in classrooms but it was neat to meet someone who who actually does it and uh, she said the kids love it it's a great way to like engage with them and really make them feel the anxiety and the finger pointing so yeah super fun if i was a teacher i'd be doing that every year so so i I gotta as you probably didn't ask um does anyone ever catch on right like because if you do that every year at, at like the sophomore level like inevitably like if you have an older sibling if you have like a, a oh, friend on like a you know what I mean if, yeah. if you know someone in a, in a higher grade are, are they gonna because that's got to be a secret that then you, you have to then tell the kids like don't don't ruin it don't ruin it for everyone it's like and like do they and also it is a sort of more widely uh, uh talked about with social media and everything, yeah, right? So yeah. you have more access. If we'd done that when we were in high school, you, we wouldn't have known. You, you'd have no idea, right? But kids are way more like in tune with technology now. Right. So I don't know, like, do you think. Do people catch on? I should have asked. I didn't even ask. Okay. Okay. That's. I just that's... asked if it worked and she said yes. <laughs> well, I guess if it's still working, then it's, if it's still working. It's still working. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that was neat. How about you, Jeffrey? You're done, aren't you? I'm done. Yeah. I finished a week go give or take congratulations yeah. uh, my last tour last weekend was great um but 
the last it was we hit like a, a little cold snap that like second week oh yeah it was freezing and the two night tours i did were like 35 degrees and i'm like okay this is this is why i take the winter off yep. it was like um i probably could have got and then this weekend it was a little warmer i was like oh man maybe i should but i was like no 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 that's new england weather for you, you. don't know right? you don't know you, you don't know yeah you know as much as the Puritans did. <laughs> a little more. I, I've got a weather app on my phone. Yeah, I can, but are they ever right? I mean, like within. Yeah, no, they're they're pretty plus good. or minus. They're pretty accurate. Yeah, it might not rain, but it's going to be damp. It, it might not be seventy five, but it's not going to be forty five. So yeah, yeah, no more no more tour times from me for a while. That's all right. Yeah, you take your time. <laughs> I'll be going for a couple more weeks, but we do get a nice little break over the winter. It's mm-hmm. kind of like being opposite of a teacher. Of a teacher, yeah. 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 So shall we dive into the common? Sure. Let's, which we can't do anymore, but we could have done. Oh, that's so oh. good, Jeffrey. You <laughs> deserve you. A, an award Thank for that you. one. That was good. That'll make a little bit more sense in a second here. <laughs> I'm going to also dive into my ectoplasm here. Oh. Yes. I, mine's already open, like half gone. Oh, very nice. Maybe not half. Maybe Cheers. Like, cheers. Cheers to November. And I'm actually very excited about this episode. Again, I'm a big fan of the common. Uh, I knew a little tiny bit about the history, but very little uh, compared to what I know now. Mm-hmm. So very excited to share it with all of you. So... It is a nine-acre open space park located in the Salem Common Historic District. It is technically the oldest park in Salem and was officially established as a park in 1803, but obviously the history of it goes back way further than that. So we're going to take you all the way back to basically Salem's founding. I'm sure it was used by the indigenous folks prior to the Nom Keg. Um, It was a a feature of sorts of yeah, the terrain. I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe, but maybe not. It's hard to say. Right. I mean, there's um, almost no way to know, but I feel like they had a better concept of land use in general. Yeah, you're probably right. Right. So oftentimes as Puritans uh, with, with that idea of colonization, and so taking the European model of settlement, you would have like a row of houses, a center area, whatever else. And, you know, don't get me wrong, indigenous peoples still have like a center of a community and these sorts of things, but their land use was, was wildly different. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like perhaps the, the centralized use of a common may not, and I could be wildly wrong, uh, but I just never felt like that was something that they had. It's just, it's interesting because of I guess we should talk about like what it was back then. So it wasn't this flat, uh, I don't even, you can't even call it, you can't call it square shape. You can't. Heart, heart shaped. You got to call it heart shaped. Have you seen the, the, the overhead picture? It's got like the. Yeah. yeah I know yeah, what it looks like, yeah, but I've never yeah. ever been able to put a shape to it before. It's it is all, a, it's a bizarre looking angular. It's not a triangle. Triangle ish. Ish. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe heart shape would be more accurate. But back then, it was not flat. Mm -hmm. It was hilly. And there was five ponds where you see the Salem Common today, which is so wild to think about the difference that this, like, compared to what we see now, it's just flat, open terrain. But why I bring up, like, possibly the indigenous using it, um, you know, I feel like it was a natural feature that Salem 
they didn't build on it. They built around it. Yep. Right. So it was all, it was just always there. It just kind of naturally became a center of their, uh, kind of like a commercial area back then, but perhaps the indigenous followed suit in some way. It's hard to say. Um, We'll probably, we'll probably learn more about that when we dive into our indigenous episodes coming up here. So uh, the, the pawns as, as you describe them, uh, I, I think we have to remind people oftentimes that the face of Salem has undergone several changes over the centuries. And when the Puritans first got here, uh, it was a much more marshy and waterlogged. Uh, don't be wrong, there's still plenty of land. Um, but remember, we've blocked off the North River, truncated the entirety of the South River, um, landfilled all that in, and there was much more sort of coves and inlets and uh, seasonal water areas and, and things like these ponds. Mm-hmm. And again, we are 100 yards maybe from the waterfront. Yeah. So it's and where this water was actually feeding from one map in particular from 1700 shows, you know, that walkway that runs along Collins Cove. It's like a little boardwalk Mm -hmm. in a marshy area. Mm -hmm. Imagine that marshy area. Just it keeps going straight. Extended all the way to the common. Okay, that makes sense. That's where the water it had like a stream, like a creek that fed in through there and to those ponds. Um, It's just it's it's so cool to think about i wish we had i don't think we have any images of like the hills Mm -hmm. so it's it's hard to say how extensive they were but we do have maps of the old common so uh, we'll be sure to share those with you guys so i guess they would have been saltwater ponds yes yeah yes indeed and marshy lots of like a marsh around them probably a lot of mud Uh, and this would have been a place for animals in town to graze so would have just been an area for livestock as well as the first muster of the national guard or is what we call the national guard now (laughs) but back then it was known as the east regiment yeah uh so that's a a big sort of staple of of the commons history today as we know it Uh, it's used for all sorts of things and salem of course is we all talk about has a massive amount of history. Um, but this was the uh, site of the first muster of the National Guard, which is which is which is cool. And I think we've mentioned that it is basically a homegrown army, just a standing militia to protect the town and its people. Uh, basically, they just gather to muster up and behold, this is the first muster of what we say now was mm-hmm. the National Guard. That happened in 1637. So, yeah. so the... Uh, Following the, the the English idea of, of military, because they're English, obviously, um, basically anyone from like 16 to 60 is conscripted into the militia uh, where you have arms and then can be called upon to fight for the community. And uh, the governorship here in, in Massachusetts declares a North, Eastern, and West regiment. Uh, so those geographical area sort of 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 boston and uh, that was in 1630 which is cool but no one musters uh until 37 huh yeah uh i I guess they are just like cool and the reason that we understand is the birthplace of the national guard so national guard is by state 
So the Massachusetts National Guard, New York National Guard. So that is the, and they oftentimes are deployed to help with like emergency relief, disasters, because the actual standing military of the United States can't be deployed on the soil or on the ground of the United States. So you can't deploy the army or the Navy uh, if there's an issue. So when there are these. So you call in the National Guard. Call in the National Guard. And so what it is, is members of those local communities who then still make up that greater military body. And they can still be activated and deployed to go uh, overseas and enact in the nature of the, the, the countries as well. So the reason this is the Nash, the we can trace the birthplace of the National Guard is because while these uh, regiments are established, this is the first time that multiple... So you would have had like uh, members of the Salem militia and the Beverly militia, or even go, like going out to like Worcester or, or Boston or uh, Plymouth. So those men would have mustered regularly, but this is the first time that we have a collection of multiple towns gathering in a central location. And as we said, it was called the East regiment. So yes. it would have been the Eastern towns yes. of this area. And I didn't realize that that's where East Regiment Beer Company gets their <laughs> name from. Like, yeah. I love their name and I love their logo. If you've ever seen it, they've got like a, it's um, a Puritan like face with a broomstick and a rifle behind him. But that's so cool to know that it actually is in reference to the East Regiment, the yeah. first regiment. And we still uh, celebrate that every year. On the common, where yeah. it happened. Yeah. There's cannons. There's a bunch of people gather. Oh, that's a, such a good day. The <laughs> bells all ring out. There's uh, this this past year, and we'll get to the arch later. Yeah, the Washington Arch. Yeah, but as they have refitted that this year, they had, uh, because that arch has been restored, they had all the, uh, can't actually remember, uh, of the Massachusetts National Guard. So there's several different battalions or... or oh, like regiment. they brought in extra people for yeah. this one because it was a special occasion? Yeah, yeah. Very and cool. And so they all had them walk through the arch. Oh, um, that's neat. Yeah, but they... To like christen it. They actually landed on the common in a helicopter. And then so they all got out of the helicopter uh, with the uh, different colors, so the, the, the flags and standards of each one of these different probably regiments within the scope of the Massachusetts National Guard. So they all got off and then they all went around the arch and, you know, unfurled the colors and uh, and in unison walked uh, through the arch and then met up with their different uh, established regiments on the common. And there's a whole big speech and everything. You got to go, I'm assuming. Yep, yep, yep. You got up early enough for that I one. I did. I don't Yeah, that <laughs> one's early. It's early. Yeah, I don't usually, uh, but it was fun. And then the howitzers went off. Um, and uh, there's also a whole segment of, so there's obviously uh, current serving members of the, the National Guard all turn up. Um, and then they're all, you know, formed on, along the common. But there's also reenactors who show up, which is also pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So then there's like little factions of uh, reenactors from different historical time periods. And oh my god! And I don't know what they were, but there's like whole colonial garbs, whole like, you know, World War II garbs, like, wow. like uh, uh, other people representing uh, different times throughout uh, the, the history of, of Salem's National Guard. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a cool little thing. And that's been going on since... Um, 1714? Well, sure. Technically 1637. (laughs) Yeah. But so that first muster happens in 1637. In 1714, 
It was officially designated as a place for military training for the Salem militia. So I think after that first regiment, they had, you know, like you said, the Salem militia had probably been mustering there, using it for training, for Mm -hmm. drills up until that point. And it would continue to be used in that way uh, for hundreds of years and then officially becomes known as a training area in the beginning of the 1700s. So, of course, as the Revolutionary War comes in, uh, we'll be seeing that utilized more and more. Civil War as well. Now, here's something I did not know. There was an almshouse constructed on the common in 1770 and opened to the public in 1772. It ran until 1816 when a new one was put up on the Salem Neck, which we referenced in our Salem Willows episode. Yes, yes, yes. yes. The almshouse that was used for uh, for a time was specifically housing TB patients, yeah, correct? consumption. Consumption, tuberculosis. But yes, and that, that one got taken down as well. But yeah, there was an almshouse on the Salem Common. The more you know. The more you know. But towards the end of the 1700s, the people of Salem were looking to kind of change the way the common was being used. So plans were drawn up and a committee of local residents raised funds to fill in and level the land. So these plans included laying out some walkways, uh, planting poplar trees, which are kind of like tall, skinny trees. Um, Also, they constructed a wooden fence with four ornamental gates, one on each side, northwest, south, and east. Um, I don't know whether Samuel McIntyre he designed all of them or just the Western gate, which is what we now know as the Washington arch. I believe Um, it was all of them. That's what I read at first. And I saw just the one, but it makes sense that he would have designed all of them. So that Western gate did include a carved portrait of George Washington, Mm -hmm. that medallion, which we talked about all the way back in our Samuel McIntyre episodes. You can see the original in the Peabody Essex museum. I also saw this, let, let me know what you think of this, um, that a significant portion of the money raised was spearheaded by Elias Haskett Derby Jr. I'd seen that. Who was appointed colonel of the Salem militia at that point. Yes. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. If that's real. Um, not saying, I'm not, you know, you just got to question sometimes, things. You sure. know, sometimes, sometimes when the Derby name comes in, things get a little, and when it comes to the common, things can get a little fantastical, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the underground. I will get there. We'll get there. Tunnel <laughs> things. So I'm always, I'm a little nervous and skeptical to ever, you know, take yeah, any, yeah. any common Derby connections, but it's t- quite possible. So it officially becomes a park in 1803. And it's it's the Washington, it's named after George Washington. Yes, Washington Square. Yeah. Renamed that in 1802. And soon wealthy merchants started to, you know, build their little brick mansions around the place. Right. Um, I, I think it's, we, we don't ever refer, we just refer to it as the commons, the, the Washington bit of it. I guess technically it's still. I think it's technically, you Technically, still call it Washington Square. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just fallen out of common usage. Now it's 
Well, I mean, I think the common name still was, so they had the Salem Common Council. Yep. They have the Salem Common Historic District. I think they've been calling it the Salem Common forever. It was just, so the Salem Common District was about the Washington Square Park. I guess maybe like just for logistic purposes, I don't know. like for addresses. I don't know. <laughs> as they start putting up all these little mini mansions. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. That's an interesting point though. So I think that's when you really start seeing it become like a part. This is a great little center for the great age of sale. Like this is when, so the, the water, as you said, not far off the Harbor, the, the wharves, if you look up on the top of some of these buildings, the homes, you will see the little widow watches mm-hmm. up on top. Cause you could see the Harbor from that location. In 1817, those poplar trees were replaced with elm trees, which I believe are the trees you still see today. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think about 200 years old. They're, some of them are big enough. Yeah. You notice we got a bunch of new trees this year. 37, yes, actually. In, indeed. Made possible by the Friends of the Salem Common and the Tree Commission. So that'll, I think there's a huge tree move. I don't know if those are part of the tree movement in Salem. Um, there's a whole, like, you can apply and get a grant. To, like, if you want to plant a tree in your yard or in green space or something along these lines, there's a whole, like, big push for... 200 sounds too low, but that's the first number that that came to my head. Maybe it's 2,000. I could see it being 2,000. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. And I don't know if those trees were part of that, but they were put in sort of in the same conversation. Yeah. We love a good green space. And I'm really happy to see those trees there. They'll make the pathways not, you know, 20 years from now. Yes. Uh, But sort of one of my biggest complaints (laughs) about the common is there's no... It's very open. It's very open. Yeah, there's no sort of like botanical green space. Um, And there's a whole lot of space that is just open, which is great. And we use it fairly frequently. But you could have a whole little, you know, arbor area in in, in there. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Get on the common commission, (laughs) Jeffrey. (laughs) Along with those elm trees, an elm fence was also put in to replace the original fence. And in 1850... The city set aside $7,000 to erect a cast iron fence, and that is the one that you still see today. Wow. Of course, it has been <laughs> repaired and uh, replaced over time. Yeah. But I'd say, like, there's definitely, there's 100% portions of the original front fence from 1850 inside that fence. I, I don't know about that. That's, no, if when you, did you read up on the preservation process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they take the original... And they make repairs when yeah. they don't replace the whole thing unless they have to. And there's been like whole, so there's, and there has been whole places, yeah. whole parts that have yeah. been completely replaced, but they try to preserve as much of the original as possible. So I did the math. That's about $27,000 today. That's pretty decent. Did, did, did you see how much the fence is arguably worth today? Why? Because of the materials. Because it's cast iron? Yeah, the scope. So if you went in and had to rebuild the whole fence today. No. Where did you even find that? 1.9 million. What? Talk about an investment. There's uh, 247 sections. Uh Uh-huh. And you have to like basically construct each of the sections separately and, and they go around the whole which is about a half mile by the way i don't think we said that in if you walk around the common you're, it's going to be about a half mile walk is it really yeah 
thought it was shorter than that. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And of course repairing and fixing because it's cast iron, it has a tendency to have problems. They're, they've got a good handle on it, I think, now. It's definitely a priority for the city to yeah. make sure that yeah. is restored to its utmost condition. And it's from the Victorian era through the 20th century that we really see the common be used, or Washington Square, <laughs> be, uh, being used as a quote-unquote common space. It hosted an array of different activities, community events, and productions, uh, and you just mentioned how they brought in the helicopter for yes. the muster for the National Guard. In 1872, a hot air balloon took off from the Salem Common, which I personally, I prefer that over a helicopter, but that's just me. Was it, was it, was there a pumpkin on it? No. <laughs> oh, bring it back. Bring it back. And he's referring to the pumpkin, the great, the great pumpkin on, was it Pickering Wharf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. On the wharf. On that first, I think it was the first year of the haunted, haunted happenings, happenings, first or second year. It's funny you mentioned Pickering. So I found this little clipping from the Boston Evening Transcript. So at five past five on a Saturday evening in July, Professor J.H. Hall and Mr. Pickering of the Institute of Technology. The Institute of Tech, like. I believe would. Massachusetts. No, I think Institute of Technology would, Peabody in would it be the Institute for Science. Would it be that? I feel like it might be that. Okay. So these two men ascended from the Salem Common in a hot air balloon for an audience of thousands. They weren't up for too long, about like 25 minutes or so. And the newspaper describes how they landed in mud flats, which... You know, we've talked about sure. Salem's got a lot of uh, marshy areas, yeah. especially 100 years ago. And they had to wade through knee-deep mud as they dragged the balloon out. How did they even? I don't know. Like they, they, they must have gotten like a team of oxen or <laughs> or something like they're crossing the Mississippi in, in Oregon Trail. You, you can't just, that's a lot of, have you ever like slogged through mud? Not knee-deep mud. Yeah, it's, it's. And not with a balloon. I've never done it with a balloon. <laughs> Uh, but I was at the beach once and, uh, it was like low tide. The tide was like coming in and like, we're like, we'll just walk out. And we walked out and it got progressively like sludgier mm -hmm. to the point where it was like up to our knees and a little higher. And me and my friend were like, we're like far out. And it got very, like, there was a minute where we were like, are we going to be able to get back in? Uh, yeah. It's dangerous. It, it got, yeah, it got like. Definitely a few minutes of, of, of danger zone. So I can't imagine having to do that, dragging a hot air balloon. It reminded me, do you remember when you were talking about prohibition in Salem and the bootleggers got stuck on the mud flats? Yes, yes. And that's that how thing? they got busted. Yeah. Yeah. I think, fair. Wow. Okay. Pretty cool. A hot air balloon in Salem. For Salem's 300th year anniversary, so in 1926, the city put on a pageant. It was called the Pageant of Salem. It included a cast of 700 people, what? right, with several significant locals being featured, like the mayor. Like, so can you imagine if if we put on a big production with like... Dominic out there. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's oh. great to think about. And, and for this, they constructed an amphitheater on the common that could house 4,600 people. 
That's big. That's big. That's big. But that's, isn't that what they used to do? Like for like the big circuses and stuff, like the big tents, they could house thousands of people. And there was definitely some pushback uh, between like the, like the, these types of activities and the local military men, because of course this was, this is our training ground. Yeah. And that's historically, that's what it originally was intended for. I have a really, so of course I dove into old newspapers for this one and I came across what I believe would be considered an opinion piece about this. So I just want to read you a couple lines from it because it sounds very disgruntled neighborly. Probably something you hear today in Salem. It's titled, Who Owns the Common? (laughs) That that, that could have been published this year. I know. (laughs) I know. Okay, so this this is in the Lynn Daily Item. Boys are now freely playing ball on the Salem Common, for there appears to be no owner to drive them off. The Common was set out way back in colonial times as a training field for the militia, and the militia has since been considered its owner. The park commissioners have forbidden the boys to play ball on the common, but the youngsters keep on playing, and their older and wiser friends want to know who has the right to stop them, since the park commissioners have no authority over the training field of the militia. The common is in a pretty pickle, legally. <laughs> Lawyers are ready to defend any boys who may be arrested for playing ball on it, and it just goes on to complain a bit more. But yeah, so... Like you said, could be uh, could be featured this year. Every every <laughs> October that could be featured every October. <laughs> oh my goodness! So there's, <laughs> I don't I don't want to get, get the into. boys off the common. <laughs> so there are uh, municipal issues with the the land use of the common and like in modern day. Yeah, yeah, and some existing ordinances. Uh, either prohibiting or allowing. Uh, uh, some of it specifically comes to um, uh, mechanical things. Uh, like so, we have the uh, one of the reasons there's not a big fair on the common uh, is 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 that ordinance, uh, the food truck festival, things along these lines. Some because you can't drive it, you can't bring these things, and that's some of these ordinances date back decades, where they would have been perhaps more applicable than a weekend fair on the common, but uh, uh, some people still are really staunch about their ordinances. Yeah, and <laughs> and what's going on in front of their houses. Of course, because we do have to remember there are residences still surrounding this public yeah. space. So so then it becomes a, a conflict just as, as sort of this is, and I love that this goes back 220 years. Yeah, this is 1903. Um, that... That when you look at it and you're like, okay, cool, it was used by the militia, but it is a town common. And while you have a, a house abutting the town common, that doesn't give, you know, rain over the common. But at the same ah, time. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't just have a free-for-all in any town space. Right. right? Like you can't have a free-for-all in Derby Square. You can't have a free-for-all in the common. So... Where are these lines? Who controls the lines? It is in a historic neighborhood. It is designated as a national historic place. And then you get into all these other different issues. Uh, So complicated. Yeah. And I get it. Like some people don't want a Ferris wheel wheel outside their house. For sure. Yeah. 
What if it's only lasting like a couple of days though? Well, like, then that's, <laughs> then that's the conversation. And that's the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So next time John Andrews is running into issues with any, uh, any other stakeholders <laughs> in the common, uh, conversations you should tell him to bring up you know they tried to drive off these boys with their balls they're not gonna drive me off of this (laughs) john's listening right now being like oh my good god it's great Um, it's great i love old newspapers i got some other gems in here for you it's wild that the the conversation hasn't changed much no it hasn't yeah so also while i was digging through old newspapers i saw that they were using the common for old firefighting musters so like we have been talking about the national guard musters and it was used for military training throughout those years but it was also a location for firefighters to gather and partake in these games and i actually found like old pictures you know like the old pumps that they had and so they would have fire groups from like all over all different towns come to Salem and bring their antique trucks and partake in like these games. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, really cool. Let me read you a couple sentences because it says it better than I do. Actually, I definitely got to read you a couple sentences because the language is so colorful. It's titled Firefighting of the Other Days Recalled. This is coming from, again, 1903. Running with the old machine will be recalled by veteran firemen of New England. So that's what they called the the games, running with the old machine. Spick and span engines that the boys of other days pumped with might and main to quench the raging flame will spurt for supremacy on the terry paper spread on Salem Common. Cash. Good hard cash will be the object of the spurting of the 50 tubes this year. For against the destroying fire fiend, one of Salem's big big steam fire engines today would pump more water than the whole assembly of old hand tubs. Giant steam has taken the place of hand labor, even in firefighting. That's pretty cool. What colorful language. (laughs) But yeah, so they all gathered up and they partake in these games. And speaking of fires, yeah, on a on a lesser bright note, June twenty fifth, nineteen fourteen, the Great Fire of Salem. So we cover that one pretty extensively. Yeah, yeah go check out the fire episode. It's got a lot. Um, but the say the the common as it is the the common was uh, used as a place to gather just afterwards, people just did somewhere to go. Uh, although I, I don't have the the red book. I was looking through another book that I have and I don't think that it was used uh, as a camp after the fire. No, no. I, I think it was just initially used in the first day or two, but like the actual formal camps were um, uh, uh, by the high school and forest river park. I saw like numbers and statistics of the amount of people who were at each of those camps and the, and the common wasn't listed. That doesn't mean it wasn't uh, just right. in the book that, that I had handy. While it may not have been used as an official camp, right, right. people, it, like you said, definitely were sleeping out there. Yeah. I have a, a picture. It's, it says sleepers on the Salem common. This was printed in the Boston Globe Friday, June 26th. So the day after uh, and it's a child sleeping on what looks to be a suitcase next to another 
child, presumably a sibling and one of their parents. But yeah, imagine what was thousands of people mm-hmm. with whatever they could grab. Do you remember that like really sort of horrific story of the, of the elderly couple? Oh yes, I I I, li- <laughs> I literally remember the way that you said it. Like the I can hear your yeah, voice in yeah, my head so they, from that one. They uh they went to the common, and so it was a uh, it was a central place uh, where everyone was gathering after after the tragedy. And I think would they have been handing out? So the armory was used. Uh, as a, so that was the, the, well, obviously that was the main source of like supplies. Yeah. Because the military or the, I guess the national guard, uh, was using, mm-hmm. uh, the, well, where armory park is and where the, the visitor center is today as a, a central supply location. Uh, so that would have been just adjacent to the common. So people would have had access to those, uh, food rations, clothing, and all those sorts of things. Yep. Yeah. Probably one of the more somber, if not the most somber use of the yeah. common has ever seen yeah. 1914 jumping back into the the brighter uh things they did have quite a few circuses yes. on the yeah. common as i mentioned the pageant with the the several thousands of people the circuses i think stopped relatively recently like there are people that live in salem today that remember attending some type of circus thing on the Salem Common. And actually, I think I've mentioned him on the episode on one of our episodes before. My old beer works regulars, mm-hmm. uh, Fran and Fuzz. Shout out to Fran and Fuzz. Yes. Okay. Um, Fran, Salem local, born and raised. His great aunt lost everything in the fire. Mm-hmm. She went back and retrieved a single teacup. He still has the teacup. It's been passed down through the generations. So he remembers, we were talking about how we were going to do an episode on the common, and he had this funny story. Apparently, circus came to town. They brought with them a bunch of, like, big circus animals, so, like, tigers, lions. I don't know if there was a bear. Um, oh, my. But there, <laughs> but there was an elephant, at least one elephant. There was, I don't know about that time, uh-huh. but I, I can't remember, and I was trying to remember where I've seen it, and maybe you can tell me. There's a big picture of downtown Salem. With a bunch of elephants. With a bunch of elephants. I think you see that in reds. I think there's a I think okay. that picture's in reds. It's in reds. And it looks okay. like they're going down Essex Street or Derby Street yeah. or Front Street, one of them. Yeah. Towards yeah, yeah. the it's common. Towards the common. They're probably yeah. they're going to the circus. Yeah. Salem has seen so many elephants. Yeah. Who would have known? They probably got off the train. And marched to the common. And marched to the common, yeah. Oh, interesting. Which is always sort of what I've thought when I've seen those pictures. Reds, I couldn't, I was yep. like, where is this picture? It's in, of course. Definitely in reds. Yeah. But anyway, so they, they have the circus. Um, so I think this is in the 70s or 80s. All these animals are brought into town, and one of them got loose. So Fran remembers hearing his, uh, his friend's mom was driving down Hawthorne Boulevard, and got stopped and just in front of her walks an elephant <laughs> and his elephant just got loose. I oh, mean, Oh, crazy. can you imagine? It's great. If I any, if anyone was there that day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please write to us. Let us know. Oh, that's fantastic. Or if anyone has any funny, crazy common stories, that yeah. would, that would be great too. Oh, and then if we bring it even closer to modern day, we saw the world's largest Ouija board. We did. And we still see that. Uh, pop up in conversation on on the Facebook groups probably fairly regularly. Yeah, people are 
looking for the world's largest Ouija board. They're like, where is it? And it was here for a day and a half. No, it was here for a couple days. I think like, I think a weekend. Like I think. Yeah, it was a couple days. It was put up, open, and then like closed. Yeah. So. I regret I walked on it because I had to, at that point, <laughs> I was living on Salem Neck. So yep. I would, to get to work, I would walk through the common because it would cut down on some time. So I just walk through and I did walk over the Ouija board one of those days. And now I regret not like spending more time like on it or like in the planchette. Uh, but hopefully I'll come back one day. It's, I'm sure you didn't like take it down, down. It's got to be somewhere. The piece, I don't know. Did I would put that up somewhere. So that way when planes fly over top. I feel like John, when we, when we interviewed him, he, he said, what did he say? He's someone has it. He knows who has it. It's like someone has it. Yeah. I can't remember what he said though. Oh, well. We also saw Adam Sandler and Hubie Halloween. Yes. So the the orange lights uh, that everyone loves these days on the common was actually put up by Netflix. So if you go through and you watch Hubie Halloween, there's the um, mark night market scene, and that was actually pretty cool. They um they were there for like two nights, I think. So they put everything out. I can't. It was a while ago. I can't remember. But all of the tents and vendors are like local Salem businesses. So they didn't like just bring in a bunch of people with a bunch of stuff. They asked a lot of locals and vendors if they wanted to put up all the tents and everything else. So uh, in the background, if you look at the vendors, you can see that they're all local Salem people. And then the light stayed. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the lights are now a a huge favorite for visitors and locals alike. And have you noticed... They've been on all November. Yeah, they're still staying on. They're coming on at night. I kind of I kind of like it. I, I hope it doesn't go all year, although, can you imagine those in snow? Now oh, we got to get some so snow. Nice. Oh, it's got to snow before the end of November. I don't know. Can they go on in this? I'm sure they can. Yeah. 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 Hello, Christmas lights. I don't know what they're made for. If, they, if there's like a... Oh, I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Leave them on for the snow. <laughs> oh, and how did we skip over... Hocus Pocus. Oh, Hocus Pocus was filmed on the common. So before Adam Sandler ever even thought about coming to do Hubie Halloween here, the Salem Common was used for Hocus Pocus. Tis a tis a prison for children. And that, uh, oh, again, one of my favorite scenes when Allison is seen walking in her red jacket and she gives Max his number back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see the current swing set in the background and i think you can see a bit of the fence and whatnot it wasn't you was it used in rob zombies i don't think so no it was featured in bewitched though yes don't they yes. they drive past you uh, see the fence yes you do yeah and you yeah. see i think roger conant statue which we'll talk about in a minute yeah. here so it's been featured in a couple different i guess it's probably been featured in other things and we just probably don't know yeah so i know there's like a lot of films that have been done in Salem like we did a pop culture we went we went through a bunch and we missed uh, quite a few yeah <laughs> pop culture part three coming to you eventually eventually <laughs> <laughs> what we missed in part one and part two so maybe we talk about some of the different features of the common like the Roger Conant statue so if you were to visit today what are you going to see and how do those things get there where do we where do we want to start? You want to start with Roger? Sure, sure. So uh, next to the uh, Witch Museum is a big giant statue of the quote unquote founder of Salem, Roger Conant. Uh, we've talked about him before. Fisherman uh, comes over in nineteen. <laughs> Sorry, 
Oh, I was like, why is he laughing? Now I got it. Uh, 1623. Came over in 1923. Came over in 1623 uh, to Plymouth. uh, Bumps up to Gloucester. Doesn't like Gloucester. Comes down to Salem and and found Salem. That's the the short version of the story. But the statue of him, he's got the, the big Puritan hat and this big billowing cloak it's so it's such an intense cloak right like you can't find that in any of the stores in town no offense to our stores yeah <laughs> but the thing is is that it's in front of the witch house and so often the witch museum sorry sorry the witch museum thank yeah. you and uh, oh, it's a witch and like it's yeah. not a witch it's it's like or people think it's like a persecuting judge which yeah. also would be weird like why would we want this like foreboding angry evil man <laughs> no but you're right people mistake him for being a witch all the time it's the cloak it's the cloak it's and the, the cloak. it's and the hat yeah and like, the stern look <laughs> if he was standing there in like just like normal attire i don't think people would be as prone to thinking a, a, a witch. I don't think he'd him. have as much of a commanding pre- no, presence, though. Yeah. yeah. But that dates back a hundred years at this point. More than that, actually. 1913. Oh, 1923. God, I'm so bad. I'm sorry. Oh, no, but it's I it's very like, close. <laughs> I was like, 1913. I was like, well, it's 20... It's not 2013. It's 110 years. 110 years. There we go. I stumbled across some articles about when this was like being brought to town Mm -hmm. and like it's unveiling and I'll tell you what they spent an equal amount of time reporting on that boulder as they did on the statue itself really that boulder wasn't there originally it came from Lynn yeah the Lynn estate no sorry the Fay estate in Lynn so that statue is a two-ton bronze statue the boulder I can't remember if it was four or six tons. It's either double or triple the weight of that statue. So they had to bring it over on rollers. And like when it was selected, they reported on it. When they started moving it, they reported on it. Like I just thought it was so funny. They were fixated on this boulder. (laughs) Oh, and I don't know if, so with this article came a big image of the statue But this is not the statue that's in front of the Witch Museum. So I don't know if this is like, this has got to be a model that he created or or an early rendition. We'll see what you think of it. He would be Henry Kitson, by the way. Ah, yes. The sculptor himself. Yes. Okay. I can see that as an early model. The cloak is there. The Right, but look at how skinny the cloak is. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That last, that flourish yeah okay and i feel like his facial expression is a little bit more i don't know content (laughs) yeah a little bit softer he's sort of more um inquisitive uh searching looking he's sort of yeah inquisitive (laughs) yeah he's sort of like he's got a a gaze yes like a a curiosity yeah like i'm like i'm discovering something (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that's uh that's roger conant there so Roger Conant is looking at that gate entrance, which you probably don't even notice if you've never been there. So there's gates that open. At the front? Yeah, or right in front of where Roger Conant is. Not like the point front where there's oh, yes, yes, yes. no fence. So that is where the original big Washington on Arch stood. Ah, that yes. makes sense. So that would have been the North Arch. And then the other, so then there would have been four total McIntyre arches. And the one that we have now is like half the size of what it was originally. It was like 
huge. Wa- oh, yes, because didn't we see, we saw original drawings, yeah. uh, sketches by McIntyre. They yeah. do exist still. And, oh, my gosh, the thing is gorgeous now, but even more so back yeah. then. So it would have abutted the end of, or the front of Brown Street, so where the Conant statue is. So he would have been looking directly at the original arch, which would have been much, much bigger. Um, and, of course, there were four arches carved by McIntyre with the Washington face on it. They had an eagle on the top. And on the back end was, did we talk about this? I don't think so. Was the uh, seal of Massachusetts and other decorative stuff. So, you know, if you go in the PEM and you see the big McIntyre seal from. Which one? The one with Mac with Washington's face? No, the, the one, the with, one the, with the indigenous person? Yeah. With, so that's. Yes. The, so that that was right. on the Washington Arch, on the common side. Yes. So that is was reclaimed when those arches sort of fell into disrepair. So if you look on either side of the arch today, you will see facing outward towards Winter Street, because it is now located yep. along the northern side of the common, uh, you'll see Washington's face and then a profile of his face. And then on the inner side, the side that faces towards the park itself, you will see the seal of Massachusetts Bay Colony. Yeah, but the original from the original arch is in the Peabody Essex Museum. Right. You're not looking at the original. You're looking yeah. at a replica. Yeah. But it's, it's pheno- phenomenal. Sure. Fascinating to think that that arch was like twice as big as it is today. Like I can't even... I tell you what, I would love of them. I would love to just go back, transport back to like the original rendition of this beautiful common, throw on some Victorian garb and just wander through those elm trees. Yeah, and Ugh. I don't know why we didn't I know we so that's it's wood, it's out there, it's subject to New England. Blech. Yeah. Four arches would just I be know. so cool. I know. Yeah. Bring, bring them back. Bring them back, right? Them back. Salem 400. <gasps> 400, four arches. I d- oh. Should we start a campaign? Oh. Perhaps we should. Well, the gazebo, speaking of. Would you call it a gazebo? Okay, sorry. I guess, I mean. It's I a guess, bandstand, so okay, but, hold on. But could you call it a gazebo? No, arguably. Okay. Um, It is a bandstand. Okay, hold on. I'm laughing for a reason. One of do you, you, you took, uh, so we used to have to take a, a test. Yes. Uh, to be a tour guide. Yes. No longer. Yes. One of the questions on the test was about the, gaze- the, the bandstand on the common, which is not a gazebo. It is a bandstand. Oh, was that that question? Was this a question where you were like, this doesn't exist? No, no, no that was okay. the friendship. Um, the, the other question was like, what ship is docked? At, yeah. And the friendship wasn't there. And I was like, I'm sorry. I know the answer to the question you're looking for, but the ship isn't actually docked there at the moment. So just put what ship's supposed to be there. So I thought I put when they said bandstand, I was like, I'm like, I think, are they talking about the common? And I can't remember the, the exact phrase in the question, but it wasn't like, what's the thing in the middle of the common? They're like, what is or when was the it was something that didn't immediately come up as common in, in my head. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, there's the the bandstand. Down the Salem Willows. That's like the, when I think bandstand, that's, that is what I think that's of. That's what you think of. Yeah. And so I put, or like they said, maybe like where's the bandstand built or something. And I was like, I'm like, I'm like the thing on the commons, not a bandstand. It's a gazebo. And then so I put Salem Willows and I got the question wrong. Aww. It was one of like the three questions I got wrong. Um, so it is. <laughs> yep. Poor, yep. poor Jeffrey. <laughs> so, so what is in the middle of the common? 
is not a gazebo. It is distinctly a bandstand. It is a bandstand. Uh, very a pretty one at that. Yeah. Designed by Philip Horton Smith. He also designed our post office, believe it or not. Which is... <laughs> Probably one of the nicest post offices you'll ever drop mail off at. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> like you, I like I point like so on, on the tour at night. I'm like just on the other side of the post office, and like I I, gen, I gesture in that direction, and I have to be like, no, no, see the gorgeous brick building over in the distance. That's that, our post. That's office. our post office. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was a, a Salem local. They enlisted him to design this bandstand in celebration of Salem's tricentennial, 300th year anniversary of the city's founding. Same year Houdini dies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not why they were celebrating. No, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that bandstand has been around for coming up on 100 years. Yeah. I'm sure that'll be a, a focal point of Salem's 400, the, the 100th anniversary of the uh, common bandstand. And it's great that it's it's like the idea of a bandstand. I, we don't obviously have like sort of those little bandy kind of things as much these days, but they still use it as a bandstand. Yeah, we have performances in there all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's also a big, um, it's kind of like a big center mm-hmm. for different events like the, the movies, the yep. movie nights on the commons. Yep. They usually set that screen up right alongside the bandstand. So yeah, super cool feature of the park. Oh, we didn't touch on the war memorial when you walk in right at the front. Yes, yes. So that went up in 1976 for the nation's bicentennial. Bicentennial. And I think that was also when it was added uh, to the National Register of Historic Places. The common itself. Yes. Washington Square Park. (laughs) Whatever you want to call it. (laughs) All right, Jeffrey, I have one more gem for you. Um, so I think we've covered pretty much everything, all the different little features as you're walking around, uh, we'll cover the homes and the houses like around the buildings around it in a second here, but we almost had another statue on the Salem common (gasps) of, I stumbled onto a fantastic and hilarious little piece of almost Salem history. I think Tom Tom, our tour guide friend, is really going to like this, and I'd be very surprised if he doesn't already know. He always says we don't talk about the Quakers enough. Uh So in 1903, a New York millionaire, businessman, and philanthropist, Frederick Ayer, was looking to pay tribute to his family's history. He came from a line of Quakers. Now, if Ayer sounds familiar, uh, we do have literally a town called Ayer in Massachusetts. That's right next to Groton where I grew up. That's named for his brother, oh. older brother, Dr. James Cook Ayer, who was a pioneer in the patent medicine industry. You know, like all the old patent medicines that they, the elixirs, the tonics, and they went super crazy on the advertisings. This guy made so much money and his family also That's, did. That's uh, where my first apartment was. In uh, Ayer? In Ayer, yeah. Oh. Uh, my best friend uh, lived in Ayer for a while. Uh, that's adjacent to Fort Devens, uh, where I was stationed uh, for a while. And the amount of times I have had to appear at the Ayer City Courthouse. Oh, God, Jeffrey. <laughs> is, is, is genuinely more than I can count. <laughs> Oh, back in back in the days of my wild youth, your rambunctious years. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I, I, Air and I have a history. That's great. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so this this guy, 
Frederick Ayer, who was in New York at this time, he had descended from a line of Quakers, and he was kind of angry about how the Quakers were treated by the Puritans, which rightfully so, right? Marginalized. uh, Ears were being taken off. uh, Persecuted. Tongues were being split. People were being removed from the colony. People were being executed. Yeah. For their religious beliefs. For their religious beliefs. Shocking. Puritans. I thought they were all about religion. Oh, we're beyond that. (laughs) So... I love playing this little guessing game with you, okay, right? Okay. Remember, I made you guess the oh, type the prices, the type of poison that Jesse Costello yes, fed yes, her yes. husband. Okay, okay, okay. What you got? So, if you could choose any animal to represent Puritan oppression, what would you choose? He looks to be thinking very hard. To represent Puritan oppression. What kind of animal comes to mind? Well, like I'm, I'm going about it like, like, like two ways, right? Like, so the Puritans are a large, overbearing force, right? Okay. So, like, like maybe a big animal, like a bear or something, uh-huh. right? Something that's gonna kill and be like indiscriminate, right? But then also maybe like something like a rat. <laughs> because they're like just weaselly and gross and just you know, they always turn up where you don't want them to be, yeah. you know? And they're like I'm loving this logic <laughs> and this means of deduction. So that's sort of I, I'm I'm on on the on the one point nine million dollar fence of is it a bear? <laughs> or I'm gonna go with it's gonna be a statue. Can you have a statue of a giant rat? Like, I feel like a bear <laughs> statue is gonna be, or is it gonna be something like a dove or something like absolutely ridiculous? I don't even know. Um, I'm gonna go with a rat. Final answer. <laughs> Final answer is yeah. rat, dude. Uh, this Frederick guy chose a tiger, so that's not even. That's not that. Okay, you know what? So, that doesn't even count. That's not even fair. That's not even indigenous to this this continent. Imagine you walked into the common today. A giant and tiger. in this beautiful park, we have an aggressive, on its hind legs, tiger attacking two Quaker people. He's got a man and a woman on each side. The tiger like has the woman by her throat. And the man is trying to attack the tiger and overpower the tiger. And the tiger is supposed to represent Puritan oppression against the Quakers. We almost had this. I mean, I take that back. There was never a chance for this thing to go through. But this guy, this millionaire, was about to donate. At this point, it was $60,000. He estimated it to be $60,000. He sent a model. He's like, this is what I want to do. Like, he campaigned for it. Dude was from New York. (laughs) He he wanted to have this put in the Salem Common. Isn't that bizarre? It's like, as much as Conant gets mistaken for a witch, that would 100% be mistaken for some concept (laughs) of, of... the great age of sale of our trade with India, like a giant tiger, right? Like the, the, the can you imagine like, I, I like, Oh, those are the, the crown shields on their trip to, to, to India fighting a dear God. Oh, I just showed him a picture. That's not even, but how tall tigers are huge. 
that person. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, this sure. Quaker is huge too. So yeah, no, that guy's like like Herculean size. Looks like John Proctor. Oh, good God! Taking down the tiger. But yeah, isn't that great? So, long story short, uh, he presented this idea in 1903. And from the article I found, it looks like it was, quote, laid on the shelf. And they kind of just didn't really know what to do with him or with it. So this kind of yeah, no, I cast it to the side. <laughs> there was some debates over what to do. And then absolutely not. We're going to say a big hard pass to this so-called monument. Welcome to Salem. <laughs> Welcome to Salem. Here, here, here's our tiger. <laughs> A bear or a rat? Can we do that? A bear or a rat. All right. I think we should cap the episode off by tackling some of the significant buildings you will see as you walk around the common. Where do, where do you want to start? Well, I think we've spent a lot of time hanging out towards that entrance okay. that you were just talking about, where the original Washington Archway was. So how about we start at the Andrew Safford house? Sure. Especially because we're probably going to get to go inside You're of it def- soon. So uh, by the way, as we've gone, you know, an, an hour into the episode at this point. Uh, yeah, we totally forgot to mention. Yeah. <laughs> so every year in, in early uh, December, the uh, Salem Historical Society uh, picks a neighborhood in Salem and does like a, a uh, Christmas in Salem. So they're decorating decorated for the festivities for the holiday time uh there's i've uh, we went to north salem last year uh it's been down by the wharf before they've done chestnut street yep. before and this year it is going to be the common so we're going to get a chance to uh step into several houses uh historic buildings that are on the common uh so if you're in town if you're coming that first weekend looking for something to do uh snag those tickets but i think one of the ones we're most excited about is the uh andrew stratford house Safford. Safford. Thank you. I, I, I always mess it up. It's yeah. hard to, yeah. But yes, the Andrew Safford House, owned and maintained by the Peabody Essex Museum, yes. built in 1819, and when it was constructed, was the largest, grandest home in Salem at that point. Can you imagine? Um, Those freaking columns well, going up. Right, but building uh, the Gardner Pingree House in 1804, like right adjacent. And you're like, oh my gosh, look like, at this house. Wow. And then like 15 years later, someone's like, oh, yeah, well. How do we up the ante? <laughs> Just a smidge. Yeah, that place is extraordinary. I am going to freak out. And their carriage house, I believe it is the carriage house of the Andrew Safford house that houses Goodnight Fatty. You are correct. In yes. modern day. Yeah. So that's one of the uh, prominent ones on the on the left there. Do you want to just continue all the way around? Yeah. Let's do... Um, <laughs> I guess arguably the next big thing is the Witch Museum. I was going to go counterclockwise. Do you, oh, do you oh, mind if oh. we go? I have them in list of counter. Oh, sure, sure. We can okay. go counter. Sure. Cool. So if you start walking in that direction, you run into the oh, Hawthorne Hotel. The Hawthorne Hotel. Built in 1925. Sitting right on Hawthorne Boulevard at the corner of Hawthorne Boulevard and Washington Square South. So I guess the Hawthorne was there before the bandstand was there. Just... By a, a year. And sh- built shortly after Roger Conant arrived. Yeah, his yeah. statue, yes. not, not Roger yes. himself. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if we continue down, we'll run into another Salem or another Hocus Pocus filming location. This is a prison for children. Phillips Elementary School. Yep. 
Built in 1883, named for Stephen C. Phillips. He was a former mayor, and he had donated his salary to a school building fund. And just uh, for record, uh, referencing Hocus Pocus again, uh, the scene where the witches now, I've said that that line twice, I'm not going to say it again, uh, are standing in front of the school. And you see, you see the Salem Common fence. Yes. But remember... Body doubles. It's not the witches. Correct. You literally never see their faces. Yes. Continuing on, on your left will be the playground. Placed there in 1970. So Mm -hmm. one of the newer features of the common. That place is always busy. Always has kids. I love seeing that. The kids out to play in the common. and Kicking their balls. How dare they? Oh my goodness. How dare they? I love it. I love it. (laughs) The the (laughs) youths on the common these days playing with their... No, no, no. The kids won out, man. The kids won out. Always will. If we continue around, you run into just a lot of beautiful um, residential homes, again, put up by a lot of these wealthy merchants during the Great Age of Sale. One of the big ones, the John Bertram House. Yes. So built the same year as the Andrew Safford House. Now, although it is called the John Bertram House, it wasn't built for John Bertram. Correct. John Bertram, we are probably going to do a whole episode on him. One of Salem's wealthiest merchants, donated money to the hospital, uh, donated his home to become the Salem Public Library. But this house was actually built for John Forrester, was later purchased by John Bertram. And then it was sold to none other than Colonel George Peabody. And I had to do, do some double check in there because there's a lot of Georges there's and a lot like, of Peabody's. It, but I think this is the George Peabody, like the Peabody Essex Museum George Peabody. Could be. The timing's about right. I'm pretty sure. Have you done the uh, Peabody House? Have you been in the Peabody House? I can't remember. The Peabody House. Sorry, 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 sorry. The, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I'm confusing my Salem peas. We're good. Keep going. Pickering. Because there's also a lot of... Oh, no, no. But I, that's on my to-do list. Because there's also... Colonel George Pickering right. as well as Colonel George Peabody. Yes, yes. There's so many Pickerings, <laughs> yeah. too. The Pickerings are hard to keep track of. But yeah, I believe this is the George Peabody. Okay. Um, the one that, you know, Christian has a portrait of and he brought out for our live show at Deal Marcus. But eventually, the Bertram estate, so after John Bertram passes, they reacquired the building and converted it into a home for the elderly. Yeah. Very in line with, you know, his philanthropic philanthropic Philanthropic. there we go um that's that's basically what his estate was being used for remember he's the grandfather of caroline emerton yes everything's connected and then we arrive at the salem witch museum celebrating their 50th anniversary last year so that is as a staple as the common as many of these other things yeah opened in 1972 uh the museum it did did But the building itself was built between 1844 and 1846. It originally housed the Second Unitarian Church of Salem. So that's something, I don't know, I feel like I knew this, but I really got a deep dive perspective from Tom when we took Tom Valor's tour about how it's funny because people are going into the Salem Witch Museum. There's a big pentagram on the floor. You're learning about this persecution and you're learning about it inside an old converted church well sure kind of ironic but the unitarians are super mellow yeah but like still yeah it's it's funny it's funny it is it is 
and I don't know the the lineage uh, and, and designation of the religious ideologies and institutions, but the Puritans have evolved into the Unitarians without getting too deep into it. Mm-hmm. So like most of the Unitarian churches in old New England towns used to be the old Puritan churches. Um, and that is a... <laughs> 180 if uh if, if if you've ever seen one it's it's wild um to 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 think about if and i mean freaking hawthorne right around the corner would lose his mind if he walked down any street in salem today and for the most part they really did dissolve and transformed yeah, yeah. and and were consumed i would say in a way but a lot of the structures that they used to inhabit and now serve a a much greater, better, welcoming, kinder community. Yep. You can go to this church and sit on the floor on top of a pentagram or you can- I don't know if the pentagram's still there. I haven't been in years, so forgive me. I think- (laughs) Did they they take it off? I think it's gone. I could see that. I'm When I heard that, I was kind of surprised. I was like, really? Like, that's a thing? I think- I think it's gone. Okay, forgive me all. Don't. There's no pentagram in the Salem Witch Museum on the big floor. And the only reason that that sounds familiar in my head right now is recently on some Facebook post, someone this, uh, someone that, that the Salem groups was like, what are like some things to see in Salem, right? But not like, oh, oh, it was by a, um, uh, a Salem Main Street's volunteer who was like, oh, what are some of the like ridiculous questions you get asked? Mm-hmm. And then so some locals are feeding in with like ridiculous, and they're like, the Ouija board was only here for a weekend and it's uh-huh. been three, four years and we still get asked about it. And someone was like the big pentagram on the floor. And I think Tom chimed in. And, and was like, it used to be, but it is no longer. Ah. And that's kind of fresh in my mind. Honestly, I could totally see that being like an old Salem Witch Museum thing. Yep. Like we're yep. talking, remember, you go back and watch that 1990s documentary I mention all the time. Yep. And you'll see them selling, quote unquote, dirt retrieved from the hanging grounds of Gallows Hill. So like... Definitely questionable choices in some regards, but so, okay. The, the pentagram is no longer. How- yes. So sorry. I just did a quick Google of floor of the Salem witch museum. And now it's, it's this. What is that? What is that? It I says, can't read so it's it. Big red. It says 692. And then it has all the names around it. <gasps> that's cool. Yeah. See, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So I think that replaced the big pentagram thing that used to be there. That's good. See, I appreciate that. So you can go into what used to be the second Unitarian church and learn about how the Puritans persecuted all these innocent people with tigers (laughs) as those ferocious tigers. And then you can saunter on down to Rockefellers, the, f- the location of the first church of Salem, yep. and go have yourself a Heltini or a Satan cider to celebrate. I think, does that, do we have anything? Oh. Oh, we should probably, sorry. Did you know that that thing was actually used as a Salem Auto Museum before it was ever picked up by the Witch Museum? I didn't. I didn't either. Again, I bet we have some people in town that have gone inside of it before. But yeah, after it stopped functioning as a church in 1902, it sat empty for a bit and then was converted into the Salem Auto Museum. After it was damaged by a fire, it was purchased by the Mulva Hills. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And those are the two individuals that founded the Salem Witch Museum. Cool. So yeah, we had a Salem Auto Museum at some point. Very neat. But uh, wrap up with a common with a few. uh, Today it's widely used. Got the food truck festival there. 
Haunted Happenings Festival goes on there. Summer Movie Nights put on the Salem Common Association happens there. Um, of course, there's also, that's where the small festival is now for like with tied into Haunted Happenings where you can go on mechanical rides on the common. Mm-hmm. Um Yoga, I guess, was out in the common. There's, like I said, pick up uh, sports games. They do concerts at the bandstand. When we have our Pride Festival, that always wraps up at the common. Any parade that happens in Salem, it ends at the common. The uh, ice cream festival in the summer, I think late August, uh, is always a good time. Uh, I think it's like $5 donation or whatnot. And there's like six different local ice cream companies. And you bring a little muffin tray tin and you just eat your heart out of ice cream ice cream (laughs) and even if you know there's nothing going on it is just such a brilliant little quiet place Uh, you can walk you can jog you can take your dog bring a blanket and lunch have a picnic in the center it's really nice in the summer you have that option of like the the open space area to Mm -hmm. stay in the sun or if you want to go under one of those big elm trees the salem common check it out awesome community space and i wouldn't qualify it as off the beaten path no but i would say that a lot of people do miss it yeah because unless you know where you're going or you're going there for a purpose you might pass by a little intimidating it's big right so you don't what where am i going yeah just just take a walk around you can just go in one end half mile walk to the other walk out of the gazebo yeah sorry Bandstand. Oh my gosh, how are you still saying? I, it's been. I know I got the question wrong. It's been years. It's just stuck in my head. It's a bandstand. With that, we're done. <laughs> and on that note, we hope to see some familiar faces as we tour some of these homes for Historic Salem's Christmas in Salem. Mm-hmm. And one final reminder: if you'll be in town this Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, mm. Santa will be arriving on top of the Hawthorne Hotel and being rescued by the Salem Fire Department, brought to the tree behind the Samantha Stevens statue, and he will be uh, initiating that lighting ceremony. Things to do in Salem. So many things to do. October may be over, but uh, we're, we're definitely still, yeah still grooving over here so come hang out thanks for listening see you later